it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to episode number 65 of Unfermittable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in some way, unformidable. So, it's a somewhat dark time for Met fans. I know that's an evergreen statement for the most part, but the team has hit the skids badly and surrendered first place in a pretty devastating August swoon that they're still in the middle of. Prior to the series against the Phillies a week or so back, I saw some people, or during the series, I saw people comparing it to 2015 and that exciting Mets National series, this time with the Mets unfortunately playing the role of the Nationals. And while the time of the year matches, for me, some other things don't. Uh, I get the analogy, but personally... I don't know, for whatever reason this year, I'm more just resigned than particularly angry at the Mets, and really all I find myself thinking of late is, hey, at least they didn't, at least they did it prior to September this time, because really this got me thinking of the 2007 season more than anything else, I'm afraid, and between that and other baseball developments of late, perhaps notably the Field of Dreams game prominently featuring the White Sox. I wound up focusing my attention on a recent Met that reminded me of all this whole Michigas, uh, that being Philip Umber. Philip Gregory Umber was born December 21st, 1982 in Nacogdoches, Texas. 
That makes him significantly younger than your podcaster, which makes me very sad. But anyway, at an early age, Umber played and excelled at baseball uh, in an odd precursor at the age of 11. He visited the Chicago White Sox during spring training as the guest of uh, Robert Ellis, then a minor league baseball pitcher for the White Sox and a family friend of his family. As Umber would, of course, go on to have his notable baseball success or his one very notable baseball moment as a White Sox. Umber was a dominant high school pitcher actually drafted by the New York Yankees in the 29th round of the 2001 MLB draft, and they did make an effort to lure him from his college scholarship, but he ultimately didn't sign and chose to attend Rice University, which was a seemingly smart move, uh, although perhaps not for the health of his arm down the road. But Umber would excel at college, uh, improve his draft stock, Uh, He and his teammates, Jeff Neiman and Wade Townsend, would form a pitching pitching big three uh, before the big three was even a thing in basketball, as far as I'm aware. But that is what they were referred to as, and they led the Rice College to the 2003 College World Series title, with Umber actually being the winning pitcher in the clinching game uh, on the World Series clinching victory, a 14-2 victory over Stanford. The three would be back and would excel again in 2004, uh, that being Umber's junior year, uh, but they would be upset in the College World Series that year by Texas Southern. So the big three would not have back-to-back World Series titles, but they did have the 2004 MLB draft to look forward to. And while the draft wasn't wall-to-wall covered, as it is nowadays, uh, from what I remember in those days and what I could read looking into it, the hype definitely were, was about the three kids from Rice and one other college pitcher by the name of Justin Verlander. Coming off a terrible year, the Mets were sitting pretty with the third pick in that draft. And while the pitchers from Rice and Verlander and two wild card, I think because they were Scott Boris clients, uh, were Stephen Drew and Jared Weaver. I don't know if it was Boris or contract demands or whatever, but that's who was expected to go at the top of the draft. But then picking first, the San Diego Padres threw everybody a curve by drafting a high school shortstop named Matt Bush. Um, from what I could gather predominantly because he was local, uh, going to a San Diego high school and would sign for less. I do have to note that Bush had an incredibly interesting life himself that uh, where he struggled with injuries and addiction and uh, hitting problems in the minor leagues and eventually reinvented himself as a pitcher and had a short but notable major league career as a reliever still ongoing today after being drafted as a shortstop. Uh, it's a really interesting read, but... You know, what's it got to do with the Mets? Unfortunately, nothing. So Matt Bush, for those of you interested in non-Met baseball reading. According to rumor, whether apocryphal or not, the Mets were hoping that Verlander would slip to them, but the Detroit Tigers, delighted that the Padres passed him up, uh, snapped up Justin Verlander with the second pick of the draft, and following, sadly... Uh, one pick later, the Mets would tab Philip Umber out of Rice with the third pick in the 2004 draft. The other two Rice stars would go shortly thereafter, Neiman immediately after at the fourth pick to the Rays, and Townsend eighth overall 
to the Orioles, although I didn't think he signed with them. And honestly, it wasn't a fantastic draft overall. I mean, probably the best player aside from Verlander in the whole first round was Neil Walker as far as a major league career. So it's not like there are a bunch of players right after Umber who had better careers that we can lament. It's more about the watching a future Hall of Famer go one pick before uh, more than anything. At any rate, Umber signed a five-year contract with the Mets, and as can often happen with top draft picks, was immediately uh, named that season the 50th best prospect in Major League Baseball by Baseball America, as often happens with the very top draft picks. He was considered pretty advanced. Uh, He had a lot of experience in college, perhaps too much experience, as uh, he started in high A-ball in Uh, 2005, and didn't put up great numbers, uh, but was moved up in the middle of the year to Binghamton, where he made all of one start before leaving the game due to elbow pain. Uh, Ultimately, bone spurs and a UCL tear were discovered, and Umber would undergo UCL surgery, missing the rest of the 2005 season. And in fact, all three of the Rice starters uh, had major arm surgeries in 2005, Neiman and Townsend as well. So, you know, all of those college World Series innings perhaps took a toll on the young pitchers. Umber would return in the 2006 season, and his numbers were strong in the minors, but his velocity didn't completely and really never completely returned. Uh, However, you know, he was still considered a notable prospect. I guess there was, of course, the hope that it would return. And he eventually earned a September call-up for a Met team that was cruising to a division title. Philip Umber made his Major League debut on September 24, 2006 as a Met, pitching a scoreless ninth inning in a 5-1 loss to the Nationals. He tired his first two batters, surrendered a walk, and then recorded his first career strikeout of Felipe Lopez. He'd get one more appearance and pitch a perfect scoreless frame as well, uh, giving him a grand total of two Major League innings, going into the 2006 offseason. 2006, of course, didn't end as we Met fans hoped, but the team was considered among the National League favorites again going into the 2007 season. As such, the team constructed a largely veteran rotation, and the organization hoped to let both Umber and its other notable pitching prospect, Mike Pelfrey, start the year in the minors, which they did. And while Umber's AAA numbers didn't look impressive, it was in the Pacific Coast League in AAA New Orleans, so his 4.27 ERA was actually 10th in the league uh, that year. Now, assuming Umber was called up on September 1st when the roster is expanded, he would be joining a team that was 75-60 and 60 on September 1st in first place by three games over the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that really had been in first place Uh, the predominant part of the season, looking to virtually go wire-to-wire for its second straight division title. But of course, it was a season of attrition and injury. As the season wore into September, the Mets were scrambling for starters. Uh, There were rumors they might start Umber when they brought him up in September, but they turned back to Mike Pelfrey on September 2nd. He had struggled mightily in his first call-up, going 0-7, over a number of starts, uh, but Pelfrey got the start on September 1st against the Braves and got, I think, his first career win, uh, definitely his first win of 2007, uh, 5-1 victory over the Braves. 
Umber seemed destined for a bullpen mop-up role, making just two appearances and two blowout losses on September 5th and September 11th, pitching three innings in relief. Of course, by that September 11th date blowout loss, the Mets had extended their lead to six games over the Phillies and seemed like a fait accompli. I'd also note on a, also say on a personal note that I know on or around that time, I went on a what was a lovely two-week vacation to France, traveled around the countryside. It was really pre-smartphones, and I just left and had a wonderful trip, and I remember getting ready to return home, thinking to myself, I can't wait to start making plans to watch the Mets in the playoffs in 2007, and I hope I saved enough money that I can afford to go to a couple of playoff games. Little did I know I'd be returning to a team in chaos, a desperate team that going into... September 26th game in the middle of the last week of the season was clinging to a two-game lead over the Phillies and absolutely desperate for pitching options, sent young Philip Umber out for his first career start in the middle of a highly stressful pennant race. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming off two straight defeats to the fourth place uh, Washington Nationals, 13-4 to and 10-9, to which was really a 10-3 game going into the ninth inning before a desperate rally uh, came up just short the night before. Uh, the Mets entered the Wednesday evening game, two games ahead of the Phillies with five games to play. And the team staked Umber to a 3-0 lead in the bottom of the first inning. Uh, home runs by Carlos Delgado, excuse me, Carlos Beltran and Moises Alou, uh, giving the Mets a 3-0 lead off of former Met Mike Bassick. And that lead extended to 5-0 going into the fourth inning, uh, thanks to another, a second home run by Beltran. Uh, Umber pitched decently, but definitely pitched around some trouble. Uh, surrendered a pair of singles in the second inning. A one-out triple in the third, stranding a runner, at stranding the runner there. Uh, but his luck and efficiency began to run out in the fourth. In the top of the fourth, he walked Austin Kearns and surrendered a two-run homer to Ryan Church to cut the lead to 5-2. The Mets would get one back in the bottom of the frame, but in the top of the fifth inning, Umber and even more so the Mets bullpen, as it was wont to do that season, completely imploded. Uh, Umber allowed the first three base runners to reach in the fifth, uh, surrendering a double to Ronnie Belliard that cut the lead to 6-3 and left runners on second and third with no one out. 
Joe Smith and Pedro Feliciano followed, and by the time the top of the fifth inning was over, the Nationals had taken a 7-6 to six lead, and it was like the air just was let out of Shea Stadium. Uh, it was one of the worst games I attended, and the Mets went incredibly meekly the rest of the way, I believe allowing two, uh, two infield singles were all they uh, accrued the rest of the game, and Billy Wagner made any hope of comeback uh, moot by surrendering a two-run double to Church in the top of the ninth to give the Nationals a 9-6 lead and let them uh, complete the sweep. Uh, the Phillies won that day, so at the end of the get day, with four games left, the Mets were only one game up in the standings. Unfortunately, the Mets, and unfortunately for Umber, it's uh, one of the games I remember most in that late-season collapse and seem to become somewhat emblematic to many of just how poorly run and panicked the organization seemed that week in uh, putting so much on a pitcher making his first career start, uh, not just in the middle of a pennant race, but in the middle of a pennant race where the lead team was in the middle of a collapse. It would be Umber's last appearance as a Met and probably defining and most memorable moment as a Met. It would be his last appearance as a Met because, uh, suffice to say, the Mets wanted to do something dramatic to try to wipe away the memory of the horrible collapse that continued and concluded at the end of that week and provide some hope for the following season. And that dramatic thing was to go ahead and acquire arguably the best pitcher in baseball at the time, Johan Santana. The price was young prospects, one of which, of course, was Philip Umber, who went along with Carlos Gomez, De Los Guerra, and Kevin Mulvey to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for the ace and the man who would throw the first and still only no-hitter in Mets history. Uh, of course, he was traded for someone who would go on to one-up that accomplishment in, in Chicago. Umber would spend... Uh, 2008 and 2009 with the Twins, and then 2010 in Kansas City. He would record a little over 40 major league innings, spending the bulk of his time in the minor leagues or struggling with injuries. He would actually make only one more major league start over those three seasons. He would record his first career victory in the major leagues on August 25th of 2010 with the Royals, pitching three scoreless innings of relief as the Royals rallied for three runs and a 4-3 victory over the Tigers. Umber, of course, was well out of options by this point, but it was noticed that some of his velocity finally seemed to be bouncing back uh, all these years after the surgery. Uh, after the season, he was grabbed on waivers by the E's in December, uh, but then they were unable to keep him, and he was uh, picked up on waivers by the White Sox prior to the start of the 2011 season, where the White Sox pitching coach, Don Cooper, worked very strongly with hum with Umber. Uh, he helped him replace his cut fastball with a slider and improve his pitching mechanics to a certain extent to refine his delivery. And finally getting a crack at a regular rotation spot, Umber fared pretty decently as a back-of-the-rotation figure that season, uh, going 9-9 nine and nine with a 3.75 ERA over 28 games, 26 of them starts. Uh, in what's you know notoriously a very good hitter's park. Uh, it was actually a pretty impressive major league season, a 3.4 war, according to baseball reference that year. Still, Umber, uh, I would think, was probably someone who is not necessarily guaranteed a rotation spot, even after a pretty strong season. 
but he won a spot as a fifth starter in the 2012 rotation for the White Sox. Got passed over his first turn through the rotation, but in the ninth game of the 2012 season, he made his first start. Uh, five and a third inning, six hits, one run, three walks, seven strikeouts, no decision. Uh, probably, you know, the best you could hope for, you would think, from Philip Umber, in an, or close to the best you could expect for in an individual game from your fifth starter. At that point in his major league career, he was 11 and 10. He had never thrown a complete game. So I believe seven and two-thirds innings was the most he had ever gone in a game. And yet in his next start, his second start of the season at Safeco Field in Seattle on the afternoon of Saturday, April 21st, 2012, Philip Umber would indeed throw nine innings, nine perfect innings, the 19th perfect game in modern Major League Baseball history, and I dare say uh, the most unlikely. Joan Figgins, Dustin Ackley, Ichiro Suzuki, Justin Smoke, Kyle Seeger, Jesus Montero, Michael Saunders, Miguel Olivo, Miyunori Kawasaki. That was the Mariners lineup. And Umber went through them 27 straight, nine strikeouts, only 96 pitches thrown. The last out, a check swing strikeout of pinch hitter Brandon Ryan, who Brandon Ryan, who looked as an iffy call, but I mean you can't you can't call ball four on that. Uh, but the ball actually got past Brzezinski and probably a chance Ryan could have gotten to first had he run, but he was. Uh, arguing that he checked his swing, uh, which gave Przinsky, uh no stress time to throw to first and complete the final out and complete the perfect game. As mentioned, the 19th in modern baseball and the 21st in Major League history at the time. There have been two cents by Matt Cain and Felix Hernandez. And what a great moment for someone who struggled to you know, establish himself in the majors, struggled with injury, but sadly, it didn't augur the dawn of a new direction in Umber's career. And in fact, he was unable to uh, continue the success, build upon the success that he had in 2011. Uh, he would struggle mightily in 2012. Uh, he would actually win only four more games that year. He'd go 5-5 five and five with a 6.44 ERA in the 2012 season. Uh, so he'd really only win... Uh, four more games in his major league career after throwing a perfect game and only 16 games in his entire major league career. He'd spend 2013 with the Astros uh, organization, uh, largely in Houston, uh, where the Astros were kind of at the in the heart of their tanking. Uh, a number would help them with that, going 0-8 with a 7.90 ERA over his last 17 major league games. Umber spent 2013 in the A's organization and the 2014 season in the Korean baseball organization. Uh, tried to get back into the majors again in 2015, 2016 with the Padres, uh, but when it was clear he wasn't going to make the team out of spring training in 2016, he officially retired on March 29th of 2016. For his career, Umber was 16-23 and 23 overall with a 5.31 ERA. He appeared in 97 games, started 51 of them uh, through 371 innings. Uh, he recorded a 0.9 war, according to baseball reference. Uh, 
he made of those 97 games, he, 51 of those were starts. So, sorry if I'm repeating that, but I wanted to know out of those 51 starts, Umber had one complete game and one shutout. But boy, did he make that count. As a Met, Umber appeared in only five games and made only one fateful start. Uh, he threw nine innings as a Met, allowing six earned runs, uh, giving him a six ERA, <laughs> and had no record, but uh, contributed, unfortunately, to one very crushing defeat in 2007. A game in a season, part of the lore and the fabric of this team, part of what makes this franchise and its players so unformidable. Thank you for listening to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave us a review, it really helps. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.